And we're back. Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. John, a lot of talk last week about our Mount Rushmore of NFL media. Steve Sable, NFL Films is a guy we forgot to put in. Look, we were just, we had our top four and then we were putting in some other names, but Sable is somebody we heard about. Uh, you know, got a lot of feedback on it. Howard Cosell, people were appalled that Howard Cosell was, uh, d- d- didn't make it. Dick Ebersol, I heard from several people suggesting Dick Ebersol, of, of course, was with NBC in the mid-90s and then NBC when he brought back with uh, Sunday Night Football. Uh, sh- certainly should have been part of the uh, conversation. David Hill uh, yeah, uh, as well. We'll talk about that later in the pod. Yeah, we'll put that as our last topic. We're going to go who's up, who's down in a moment. Topics today, Drew Brees, Monday Night Football, Manning Cast and Nickelodeon, ESPN Insiders. They add Pete Thamel to college football, ESPN spinning off. We'll go more into that. Uh, and then the Mount Rushmore talk before we finish up with our calls of the week. So let's start up. Who's up? Who's down? Who's up? Who's down? Why don't you take the first who's up, Andrew? All right, Sean McManus and CBS, they had the late window on Sunday. A lot of talk. Why do they have it? Why why doesn't Fox have it? Because it was 49ers and Cowboys. McManus, David Burson, who leads CBS Sports, they bought uh, that package, that game, uh, for around $70 million. And so they got that game because of that. Now, look, when we talk about these deals, and John, you have this too, every time someone makes a big deal, agreement with a league um, or a team. We always hear from rival executives. They pay too much. So I, I don't know if it's, if it makes financial. Andrew, there's no way they could have made money off of that. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know exactly for any of these deals, you know, unless you see behind the books, but in terms of buzz in terms of where that game Cowboys Niners um, Nance and Romo had a good broadcast. That was a win. So they're, they're my who's up. We'll get more into the NFL in a little bit, but that's my who's up. McMahon is burst in CBS Sports. Very good weekend for them. I want to uh, stick with that for a quick second. Uh, people that weren't surprised are people that subscribe to Sports Business Journal and the New York Post. I mean, we've written about this. Nobody at Fox outside of Troy Aikman, I think, was uh, what was surprised about it. In fact, before we go on, can we run that clip by Troy? That game coming up, which is on CBS, which is the Dallas Cowboys hosting the San Francisco 49ers. We saw San Francisco with that overtime win in L.A. last weekend. That's going to be a good game. It's going to be a great game. Uh, I mean, a really good game. I think there's a lot of people that like to be calling that game. <laughs> but uh, should be a lot of fun. That's something you generally don't hear on, a, on an NFL uh, telecast. But nobody at CBS was surprised. Nobody at Fox was surprised. That's why NBC and CBS paid that money uh, for, for, for those windows. Um, to, to go into a wild card playoff deck. And I took the Aikman comments more as tongue in cheek and less so as, um, of course, a little bit disappointed. Aikman lives in Dallas, so it's easier for him travel wise. And that was the biggest game as opposed to that stinker that Buck and Aikman got with uh, the Buccaneers just demolishing the Eagles. So, but I thought it more tongue in cheek. I feel like Twitter went a little bit like, oh my God, I can't believe Aikman said that. I didn't take it that way, but I, it was something you could tell they talked about off the air. And then Aikman's like giving that little grin to Buck and said, all right, I'm going to say this on the air. That's what I took. <laughs> he it did. As. He had that gleam in his eye as he put it out. My who's up? Burke Magnus of ESPN. Andrew, the other day I got a call from a friend asking me what was going on with the Australian Open. 
Do you know how many times in my life I've gotten a call like that? Zero. Nobody ever knows that the Australian Open is going on. All of a sudden, the semis come on or the championship, and people start to realize, general casual sports fans start to realize what's going on. But this year, with the soap opera surrounding Novak Djokovic, who is trying to better Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal in terms of the number of Grand Slams all time, uh, winning the number of Grand Slams all time, was kicked out of the tournament because he's not vaccinated. We don't know whether whether this new interest is going to lead to uh, increased TV ratings, but Burke and ESPN are betting that it's going to lead into more subscribers to their ESPN Plus streaming service. And something that has really been irritating a lot of hardcore tennis fans, they used to stay up with ESPN all night watching these late night matches. Those late night matches, they now have to pay $6 a month for, for ESPN Plus, because they moved them all off of ESPN2 onto ESPN Plus. And while that's good for business, it's creating a lot of, uh, a lot of angst on Twitter among people that, that, that really want to watch those matches on TV. Yeah, we've seen that with Peacock, with soccer and golf as well. These services that you're already paying for, you are, you basically already said, well, I want all the Australian Open. And now all of a sudden, you have to also pay another service if you really want all the Australian Open. Uh, it's not exactly customer friendly. Uh, yeah, but- it's, a hard, it's a hard PR thing to put, do for a company that's about how we're about the consumer first. We, we want to serve sports fans. Well, actually, they, they want to serve sports fans on ESPN Plus streaming service and try to get as uh, many subscribers over there. So it's a rough one, but Burke is still my on the way up. Now, it's surprising, gonna- surprising you go first, but you love sports executives more than anybody. I mean, do you love them? I would have, we have to look at the Marshan Oren who's up statistics. And I think you may have gone sports executive every time. Well, I, I got to counter you. You always go to the talent. I, you know, that's, <laughs> that's my the, the talent wouldn't exist without the executive. Maybe I thing. gave it to McManus and Burson. I, I, I flipped it up on you. All right, let's go. Who's down. Let's see. Let's go. Who's down. And then you always who's go. Down. Yeah, go who's uh, down. Another executive, maybe not sports, but uh, Bobby Kotick, uh, Bobby Kotick of Activision. He should have been cut loose in last summer after ex-employees detailed a culture at Activision under his watch where sexual harassment seemed to be the norm. Well, today, Bobby Kotick is heading a company that's being bought by Microsoft and valued at the incredible price of $70 billion. I mean, that, that is, we, we should actually make this its own topic. That to me, Andrew, and I think this is part of the d- discussions that we have on Amazon and Apple all the time. That to me is the template that I have always expected big tech to use when it wanted to get into sports. The idea that Apple is going to buy this small package of baseball games, as you reported, that makes no sense to me. These are companies that are much bigger than traditional media companies. And if they were serious about sports, I think they'd be serious about sports, just like Microsoft is serious about gaming. Right, let, let, let's put that. I'm going to make that a topic as well. We'll talk. Well, let's get a little further into that, because I do think there are some points about that, especially the idea that. I mean, they don't necessarily have to just do everything at once. They don't have to hit a home run. But let's let's hold that thought, okay? And we'll come back. We're going to add that to the topics. We'll put that before the Rushmore uh, topic that we're going to revisit. So make that topic six if you're scoring at home. Um, <laughs> or even if Keith, as Keith Orman said, even if you're alone. Okay. Drew Breeze is my who's down. Breeze struggled immensely. Uh, NBC. Uh, was disappointed in Breeze in terms of his performance. 
uh, and it's hard not to be um, because he just, it was weird. I mean, he was just non-existent at times. Uh, Tariko had to be the point guard and the scorer uh, in that broadcast. And um, it's weird because if Breeze was coming out right now, he probably, if he had played this year, everyone would be like, you got to get Drew Breeze, you got to get Drew Breeze. And now there's a lot of um, just questions about Drew Breeze and his future in terms of how good can he be. I, again, now let me put this. He wasn't good, and I, and I detailed it in my newsletter on Monday. Uh, but I also think there's always an overreaction, too, now, just because of, like, one game where it wasn't, like, so terrible. It wasn't good, but it wasn't so terrible. Just spotlight game. And I, I do think there's sometimes a little bit of overreaction, especially with social media. You know what? Uh, that is our topic one. I, I have some thoughts on that. Uh, so let's, uh, let's just get right into the co- topic. Okay. Topic one. Drew Brees' performance, which was totally surprising and stupefying because he had been, in my opinion, getting better through the season. And then all of a sudden he came in. It was the biggest audience that that he was going to have all season, and he just didn't show up. The question is, the questions that I have coming from this is, one, is this disqualifying for him? Is this sort of like a, a Jason Witten sort of situation to where, you know, this was his one chance and and now he's sort of colored to where this is what's going to happen to him. And number two, who benefits from this? I know that that you tweeted about Troy Aikman potentially getting a little bit more leverage in terms of talking with uh, Amazon, but I'm also going to throw Chris Collinsworth out out there. If you're you're NBC, all of a sudden you really want to keep Collinsworth for another couple of years because it's plenty apparent that while I still think Drew, Drew Brees is good, and I still think that he can rise to be the number one person, Collinsworth is a short-term solution for NBC, obviously. Yeah, I think NBC realized this. I wrote a, about a month or so ago that they're extending Collinsworth. He's getting around 12 to $13 million per year. So they kind of have said now Collinsworth's going to be in that role. But may, there's no doubt when they signed Brees, now they weren't definitely giving Brees Sunday night the games but but that's kind of the idea that's what nbc does they did it with Tariko for costas on the olympics and al michaels on play-by-play on sunday night breeze was brought in do studio and then there's going to be the chance to do super bowls and do sunday night i don't think one game just ruins you but i do think you talked about amazon uh there is some thought that aikman could split the games with breeze or they kind of uh slice those up somewhat and work with al michaels I don't know. I don't think Amazon can. I first of all, I'd heard rumblings before Amazon was a little bit hesitant about doing that. Number one, number two. Now, if you're Amazon, you got this big package. Do you really want to bring in Drew Brees at this point, where you're not going to get that Drew Brees buzz? You know, as if if he was coming off the field, you would. And I don't think Al Michaels wants that. And though I've I've had Michaels in the ninety percentile in terms of uh, taking that Amazon role. The one thing is he's going to be picky about his analysts. Al Michaels, if you look at his history, has never not worked almost never has not worked with top analysts. Um, you know, they tried the Dennis Miller thing, but beyond that, it's Madden, it's Cosell, it's those type of lineage. Late, mid to late seventies now, he's not working with someone who is not at a high level. At least I'd be surprised if he did. So that's another thing. So let me ask you a question. You, you, I, you are somebody more so than me who really studies these booths and, 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 and know the play-by-play versus the analysts. And you gave a shout out to Mike Tirico for sort of taking on both roles. But I'm going to throw that back at you. Is, is, was there a part of this where, where Tirico, he felt the need to take on both roles, but did he sort of step on? Did he make things worse by doing that? 
Yeah, I'd say I didn't really give him a shout out necessarily and more of a point out because I don't think that's necessarily great. But if you look back at that game and especially there are just times where Breeze was silent. If you go back, if you, you know, we're, you're listening on a podcast here or watching us on YouTube, but so you're not going to have this video right in front of you. But at the end of the game, there's a montage of about three highlights where the analyst is supposed to speak. There was the interception that sealed the win for the Bengals. And then you had the montage of highlights and Breeze was silent. That's that's on Breeze. So yeah, Tariko, I think was, look, he's a guy who's on top of everything. That's, he doesn't, he he's an excellent broadcaster, but one of his best attributes is just kind of noticing things, knowing the rule book. Um, and he, he, he gets that, but he was really, Breeze, I don't know. I don't know what happened to Breeze there. It was weird. Um, so there's the Amazon. The other thing with Breeze, and this is managing your career. So I think Tariko, first off, is a good partner. Uh, he usually makes his analysts better in most cases. And so that's a good partner. So that's a plus uh, for Breeze. But I didn't understand why Breeze did his contract so early when he was still playing and you don't get a number one job forgetting if he's good or not, but if he were coming out now or even last year, he would have had Amazon in play. If Aikman, you know, possibly going to Amazon, maybe Fox is in play for breeze. Um, and so, you know, uh, Monday night football, of course, uh, could have been in play for breeze. I didn't really understand why he went there and the leverage was low then because we're in the pandemic. ESPN was letting go of, uh, people. So I don't think Bob Iger was in position then at Disney to go make a huge splash with Drew Brees when he was cutting, laying off people because of the, during the pandemic. So this career, if it doesn't work out for Brees, could just be partly because it's been mismanaged. You know, not only has you know, he not been good, he's not loose. I mean, that's another thing. He's not loose on the air. That's something he's going to have to work on. You have to trust yourself. That's what Greg Olson uh, has done. That's what Tony Romo obviously has done. Uh, and that's where you kind of separate yourself. You have to trust yourself when you're doing national TV and these big playoff games with a lot of eyes. Yeah, it's, you know, it, to me, it's also the curse of Tony Romo. I mean, we have almost never seen somebody come from the field to be number one in the, in the booth and succeed. I mean, we 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 spent a, a couple of podcasts extolling John Madden. Remember his first games? Nobody saw him. They went to probably five percent of the country, and he built himself up to that. We had Greg Olson on our pod, the big get last week. You know, he he started on these little games. He's on the number two uh, on the number two team. You know, he, he's taking steps before becoming number one uh, out there. And so, what's happening now with Drew Brees and what happened with Jason Witten before? Is, is this going to cause TV executives to sort of step back and, and hold back sort of like uh, making people number one? Because we know how they make these decisions is because they go in before the games and Drew, Drew Brees in a conference room is, uh, is, is able to, to converse, is able to, to make his points uh, saliently. And they're like, they think that that can translate to television, you know, and they, they think that that's how they identify future broadcasters. Maybe they'll go a little bit slower now. Probably not, though. Probably not. And also, look, the people who are making the evaluations are so important that way. Fox has made a great evaluation with with Greg Olson. Uh, their team, you know, Brad Zager and company, or Abel, who's their uh, executive producer, uh, and, and the people around him ha- were able to see uh, Olson's potential and then allow him to grow. And you have to do that, you know. All right, Andrew, let's wrap this up real quick. Buy, sell, or hold Drew Brees as a broadcaster. 
I will hold. I think I he's am buying big time. It's as low as it's going to be. He's going to get better. I think that he. I, I, that was your business. I didn't know. Where, I didn't know it was like a stock price. It could be. It's low. All right. If it's low, then um, I don't think it's low. I think they're paying him a lot of money. You're probably like. You know, <laughs> oh, I, I just meant after after the, the weekend's performance. Fine. All right. Well, if that's the case, then all right. Well, I'll do hold. I don't even know what that means. Like, you know, you're like the business guy. I don't even know. We're, we're doing stocks here, so I'm holding it. <laughs> what does that mean? I have it. I like it. I don't like it. What does it mean if I held? Hold, hold means uh, you'll wait and see, basically. Like sell right, means like it. it's disaster ahead. Yeah, sell is much more interesting. Let me say I said sell. All right. All right. I don't really think we have All an right. official sell. Let's go a couple more NFL. Uh Monday night football booth. Uh Brian Greasy contract up. Levy, uh um, Lewis Riddick. That's that team. To me, is that really a Monday night marquee team? No, Greasy's probably the best broadcaster in terms of on games of the three of them. Um, be interesting to see what ESPN does with that deal. Uh, but you also had the Manning cast, which helped them alleviate some of the pressure off of that crew, but still a lot of spots where not great um, to me. Yeah. Levy has an out going to the, the NHL. Um, look, the, part of the uh, ESPN's deal is that they're going to have a bunch of high profile games, many more high profile games than they had before because they're bringing ABC into play. So it's going to go into broad, uh, the broadcast network. ESPN, I would imagine, is getting some pressure from the NFL, you know, to shore up its booth as it has for what, what is it now, the, the past 10, you know, 15 years, because there always seems to be some sort of turnover. And, and right now, if you're being fair, that booth is not one of the top three booths for Fox or CBS. No, and but do you think Manning Cast kind of gives them some time if they because I think that's what they might try to do in their thinking. They don't want to deal with this again. I don't think they have an obvious uh candidates. They like Fowler and Herb Street. I don't really like that option personally, um, because I, I don't think you're gonna take them off college. Uh, and that's where they're really at their best. And I think you spread people too thin, it ends up hurting you in the long run. So I don't like those guys as your as your ultimate choice on the NFL, uh, but uh, they could be kind of waiting and maybe doing that, looking towards that Super Bowl. Uh, but uh, and then they did have the Manning cast. So yeah, I, uh, you know, I think the Manning cast helps in terms of social media angst. You know, people. Yep. Most of the people well, isn't that, that what would this be, is all about? I mean, I, I, basically, yeah, <laughs> but. They're still getting the biggest numbers on cable like on Monday Night Football, yes. even with the Manning cast that, that are still tuning in and, and listening to them. And so you want to make it a, you want to make it a party. You want to make it something informative and uh, and entertaining. And I'm not sure if that that booth is there quite yet. Manning cast, obviously huge success. I will say playoff game next year. I'd either do no guests maybe one or two guests if at most. And if I did, I only want real football guests. The Rock is obviously amazing. Everyone loves The Rock. Nobody doesn't like The Rock. It just didn't fit there. Larry Fitzgerald was very boring. Uh, so it wasn't a great Manning cast. Uh, so I think next year, if they want to change it up a little bit, I think when you have these big games, more Manning's just analyzing it. And I don't know if it works as much in the playoff game. I, that, those numbers um, are going to be interesting. Uh, yeah, because... I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to disagree with you on that. I, th I think that the beauty of the Manning cast is that you bring the rock in and you're at a bar and you're talking to the rock about different things. And if you're really into the game, you're going to be on the regular telecast because they have two analysts there dissecting every single play. You don't need the Mannings to do their own dissecting of the play. You need to show off their relationships and their and their uh, broadcast chops. That's not a bad point, uh, but you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I sell or hold the manic cast. Exactly. No, the uh, I will. What am I buying? It's low. Is it high? It's high. So I would sell. Um, the uh, is that right? I don't know. Anyway, the the uh, the thing I would say though is that big game. I'm more focused on the game. And yes, you make a good point in terms of alternative broadcast. Um, that you want it to be different, you know, like that's why they have like baseball's having their own Manning cast with uh, K Rod that they'll have on some Sunday night games. And so um, when you look at this, the the I think on, on this type of game, I want to hear them talk about it. And it was a little bit distracting. That's something they have to work on in general. I think Manning cast really works when there's a game you're not that interested in. Yeah, and you know, I think that's something that we're going to see from the Nickelodeon game this year. Last year's Nickelodeon game was the Bears against the Saints. And I was happy to donate a half of viewing it to, to, to watch what was happening. But the Cowboys 49ers, I don't need slime and all, all that. That was a prime game. I wanted to see the regular telecast. And so I, I, I haven't seen the final numbers yet by the time we're, we're taping this podcast, but the overnight numbers are suggesting that that Nickelodeon experience is down pretty significantly from last year. Yeah, but I think it's additive, get kids involved. And I thought they did a great job of the production. I, look, even the Manning cast, like I had a rival executive, one of those things, again, they spent too much. Uh, <laughs> say, I mean, how much, how many people is the Manning cast really adding uh, in terms of viewership? It's shifting the viewership and changing the social discussion uh, a little bit. But I don't know if it's really adding people. I don't know if more people are coming to their TVs uh, overall than, than were previously because of the Mannings. See, and that's the key to me to these alternate telecasts is they have to be additive. Nickelodeon, that's certainly additive. You're trying to, you know, introduce your kids to the, to the game, or you're trying to just sort of watch a game in a different way. I, I wish I could just slime you right now. I wish I could <laughs> just slime you right now. I mean, like perfect TV, yeah, YouTube, go to, yeah, uh, go to YouTube. You get I think that the, the Manny cast, I think that's additive. Like I, it, it appears to be additive. I think that, that you know, the college football uh, telecast, they have, you know, the coach's room. That's certainly taking away from the main telecast. But, the, you know, the Manning cast and the types of Nobody guesses. Watching those, I think those numbers. Yeah, but those, those are people, people watching that are going to be watching the main telecast anyway. People watching yeah. the Manicast, Manicast, they're going to want to see The Rock, or they're going to want to see John Stewart, you know, or they're, they're going to want to see like it's 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 a talk show. Fair enough. All right. Uh, anything else on Nickelodeon? Again, I thought that was really well done. Uh, they they really nailed it every year. And the big thing about all these, um, and like you talk about like K Rod, for example, um, with Sunday Night Baseball and their new Manicast for Sunday Night Baseball, is that it's the execution. Like the ideas are obviously important, but it's the execution. I thought, again, overall Manning's execution, very good. Uh, Nickelodeon, Nick Cast, also very good with Nate Burleson, Noah Eagle, and the Nickelodeon, uh, all the kids from Nickelodeon. Uh, so I thought that was good, young Sheldon. Uh, so I thought they did a good job with, uh, with, with that. All right, so let's go to topic three, which is ESPN spending money on insiders you have pete Hubert uh, broke the story i believe but pete thamel formerly the new york times yahoo he's over at espn he's going to be he is the information guy right now for all of college joins Woj, joins uh a uh, passing over over baseball Schefter, of course what's the theme here the theme seems pretty obvious to me andrew yeah like he's not getting paid with those guys now one day he might get there uh but he, you could tell though that ESPN values it. And with 
Woj and Schefter uh, coming up on free agency in the summer. Let me give one thing. Woj and Schefter are not going to the Athletic or the New York Times. Uh, that's laughable. Um, that that's not going to happen. Um, the web, the Amazon could be an option, perhaps. Uh, the gambling sites are, of course, an option. Um, I think you got you can look at those maybe for Woj, a Turner, perhaps. Even I don't see it necessarily, but again, another big TV network. But the idea that they're going to go to the Athletic slash New York Times just is it's like a failure to understand the pay structure at those places and what people make and Woj uh, and Schefter are in around the $4 million range. Um, at, you know, that's around, it's an estimate. I'm not sure exactly the number, but the New York Times does not pay that. They're not going to pay Maureen Dowd that. They're not going to uh, pay um, Adam Schefter that and cause all kinds of issues for themselves. Yeah, and ESPN, it's obvious they planted the flag in the ground. These are the types of people that they're going to pay for to keep because Woj breaks NBA stories year round, 12, 12 months a year. Same thing with... Uh, with uh, passing in the MLB, same thing with Schefter in the NFL. And that's what they want to, to get people talking about the leagues, talking about the sports and marketing those sports moving forward. We moved to our next topic, ESPN spinning off. Uh, what's the latest on that, John? Listen, uh, our favorites, Moffat Nathanson, we've got to get Michael Nathanson as our big get soon enough. Okay. They put out a report today uh, where they said, that, and I'm going to quote here, I actually uh, wrote this one down. If there weren't a COVID-19 pandemic, we think one of Bob Capek's first big moves would have been to spin off ESPN. Uh, they, they went on to say that that almost certainly is not going to happen moving forward because the COVID pandemic has taken parks away, all the revenue from parks, all the revenue from cruise lines, a lot of the revenue from the from the movie studio. And so all of a sudden you have ESPN still makes so much money from cable operators and it's still funding a lot of what uh, Disney is doing. And so they need that revenue. And so the idea, there certainly have been talks uh, about spinning ESPN off. They've been really high level talks about spinning ESPN off. But the idea that it's going to happen within the next year or two years, uh, according to Moffat Nathanson, who are really the smartest guys in the business, uh, it seems pretty fanciful. Well, it comes down to they need the money, right? Disney needs that money that ESPN is spinning off still with the cable fees and um, and all the money to make from advertising uh, and you know the burgeoning ESPN Plus, which doesn't probably make money because they they're spending so much money on that. But they, Look, I can see your point. But um, I do think that they're going to take a lot of calls. And the fact is, there is a pandemic. So what they would do without a pandemic doesn't really matter. It does show you where the business is going. But I guess you're basically saying well, we have to get through this economically. Uh, and then this is back more back in play, in your opinion. Yeah, the headlines are that cord cutting is happening, that streaming is taking over. But the linear networks, the cable networks at Disney, their free cash flow is the highest at Disney. So they need that cash and, uh, and nothing, nothing's going to happen in the, in the near future. All right, let's move to our next topic also with ESPN college football, which kind of put a bow on college football ending. I will say this now we're in the Northeast, so it's a little bit different, but I felt like there was really a lack of buzz for uh, the BCS for the semifinals for the finals. Again, 
it's different in the South, obviously SEC country, big deal. Ratings were down. Um, your take? Uh, Georgia and Alabama didn't excite New York City. I, that, 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 so, it wasn't a big, it, I, I hear you, but there are still a lot of college football fans. And I just feel like the concept of the BCS is not getting what they want. I personally think, uh, just as more of as a sports writer, less as a sports media writer, um, that I would like to see the playoffs expanded. Not that I think other teams could win the national championship. I just think it would be more exciting. You could incorporate it into the bowl system. And instead, you kind of make these other bowls uh, not as important. And I just think it brings more teams into it, and there's more of an excitement level. And so that's my the belt bow I want to put on the college football season is that expansion that everybody was expecting to happen almost certainly isn't going to happen. There's a small runway to where they can actually expand and, and allow ESPN to take advantage of it and pay, take advantage of it, pay more for it. Uh, the uh, commissioners could not come to an agreement. Uh, they don't look uh, likely to come to an agreement. And I have to tell you that if you take a look at the results from the college football semifinals this year, last year, the year before, it's nothing but blowouts. The whole idea of expansion, because I want it, you want it, fans want it. Why don't they expand? The people in charge are taking a look. Look at the NFL just this past weekend. Yep. Those two seven games, uh, the, the uh, second seed and the seventh seed games, were both blowouts. Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, Philly, three touchdown games. People are looking at that. One of the three six games, uh, Buffalo, New England, was a, it was a 30-point game. Yeah. People but- are looking. Yeah, no one cares, yeah, but they don't care. It's all about money. Uh, uh, expansion, they, they care because it, it is about money, but it's also about the next deal. If expansion hurts their image. So if, wait, hold on a second. You think the extra wildcard game that NBC and CBS each got an extra wildcard game, spent around $130, $140 million uh, for those games, one game each. You don't think that's that's not going anywhere? And that's, people- not going any, that's not going anywhere. The NFL loves it. The networks love it. I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna posit to you though that if those games continue continue on this sort of like 30 point differential uh, for the next couple of years, fans are gonna start tuning out the first round of the playoffs, which they which they haven't done previously. I'm gonna posit you back and say, <laughs> Are you allowed to do that? Do I, I'm, gonna that the out po- I'm gonna out posit you right here, and I'm going to say that not only. Are the, the game's going to be continue to be watched, but I also think it adds excitement to the final weeks of the season because you have more teams involved with a chance to make the playoffs. As a Steeler fan, they were terrible this year. Tomlin's amazing to get that terrible team with Ben, you know, totally washed, uh, get them into the uh, uh, playoffs, and that made for an exciting, fun year, which otherwise would have been dreadful. Did you, how much of the, did you watch the full game? I watched every game this weekend. I did a full report in the sports clicker on Monday morning of every game. I watched every second of every game. I mean, missed a little bit, you know, but like not <laughs> barely any. I, so yes, I watched every, it's the Steelers. I'm just, saying that, I'm just saying competitively expansion is something that, you know, be careful what you wish for the, 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 this, the games this weekend in the NFL outside of a, a, a couple of them, you know, the Dallas, San Francisco and the Raiders, uh, Cincinnati, they were all blowouts. They, they weren't fun games. And I'm going to pause it right back to you that you wouldn't have been watching them if you didn't have the clicker going on uh, Monday morning with New York. Uh, yeah, if the Steelers weren't playing that Sunday night game, I probably would have maybe turned it. I, I have trouble turning these games off for some reason, but yeah, you're probably right. All right. 
you've outposited me. All right, we added a topic, Activision. Isn't that where Tony Petiti used to be at MLB Network and also CBS Sports Big Time Executive? Wasn't he there? Yeah, he went over there. He left Major League Baseball to go over there for a cup of coffee. He lasted for a couple of months and uh, and, and, and took Oh, off. he was already out? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's no longer Oh, there. I didn't even know that. All right. Yeah. All right, so he's out. I didn't know. I thought he got, that, was, I was, that thinking, was a sports business journal exclusive about a year. <laughs> sorry, ago. I missed yeah. that. I was thinking, oh, Petiti must have got a killing from this deal. All right, well, he left too early. Sorry, Tony. I'm sure he's doing fine. All right. So give me the, what's your takeaway here that the, and then in relation to Apple, because I got a point to make uh, back at you. My take on it, Andrew, is that Microsoft dug into its pocket, paid $70 billion for a, basically a video gaming company. It doesn't move my, like it, it was nothing. It was a spec to Microsoft. This is barely even a deal to Microsoft. Uh, Disney just uh, paid about that much to Fox. It was a big deal for Fox's entertainment assets. The, the, uh, the tech companies, Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, and you could probably throw Facebook and Google in there as well. They have such deep pockets that if they were serious about sports, they wouldn't be dabbling in sports. They would be coming in and they would buying up Fox Sports or they'd be buying up ESPN or they would be making these big major purchases to get into it in a big way. Apple's deal with uh, with MLB, what does that do for Apple? I mean, they're, they're going to test it when they, they already they already know it. Okay, so I did a little bit of a rope-a-dope there, acting like I didn't know anything about Activision but and Microsoft. But then Microsoft, they, they bought all these smaller gaming con companies over the years and now they just hit a and they went for the home run with the you know the owner of call of duty with activision so i just threw you off i really don't know that much about this but but anyways the point <laughs> being is uh, but here's the bigger point that i'm trying to make though because as soon as you said call of duty my eyes glazed over right? i'm yeah, not sure because no, you know. i did do a little research because i knew this was gonna be a topic but the point being is though you don't just start at the top yes could apple or amazon um, buy one of these networks. Amazon might buy the NFL network or 49% of it. So yes, could Apple buy ESPN? They could, but first you start and you put your foot in the water and you say, what does baseball do? Does this make sense? Maybe they get Sunday ticket Apple. So you don't necessarily just say, okay, we're going to go from zero to hundred, especially a lot of these companies with all this money, they're a little bit more conservative. Andrew, when you wrote that story about Apple and baseball yeah were you surprised were you like wow was i surprised i i don't think i was well i mean I, yeah it was like why would i would say it's not like a big splash was i surprised i mean i know baseball wants to sell this package nobody really wants it apple has a lot of money so um i don't know i wasn't I, it doesn't you're right it doesn't feel like an apple move no it feels like a smaller move that you're just starting to, to get your feet wet I will say this, you know, this is going to be a pod topic. It already has been for a long time. We're looking really at 2024, 2025. The NBA is going to be, that is going to be the line where if big tech doesn't get involved during those uh, NBA negotiations, I, I, I would think that they're actually taking a pass on sports, which could be a bad, bad news for sports. I don't see them doing it before that. And if they, if they pass on the NBA, I don't, I don't see what else would be coming up that would make them want to do it. Yeah, or maybe like you've talked about, maybe Apple just starts going, buying everything. Uh, it's possible. And then all of a sudden they have uh, Big Ten and all these other things that we've been speaking about. Um, and, uh, you know, that, again, it's a lot of leftovers because ESPN and company have uh, bought most of it, of uh, the good stuff. But Apple could come in with their deep pockets and, and really make it a, a, some hay.
All right, let's finish off our topics, quickly go into the NFL Mount Rushmore. Spoke about it last week. Our Mount Rushmore was Ruin Arledge. All right, to be to be clear, this is the Mount Rushmore of NFL media. NFL media. So we had Ruin Arledge and John Madden was our no-brainers therein. Al Michaels and Chris Berman got our two spots. And something we did explain, but just again, some of these spots are kind of encompassing a couple of things. So Al Michaels is also Monday Night Football when we think about him. Chris Berman's the studio show, NFL Today, Brent Musburger when we think about him. And so, you know, Rune Arledge also, of course, was Monday Night Football. Steve Sable, big one. He could be on your Mount Rushmore especially when you're putting uh, Chase Carey in there. And I got a lot of <laughs> my people, you know, you got the business people. They're like, oh yeah, Chase Carey. My people are like, Chase Carey, are you kidding me? Oh, uh, I got so many, I got texts. Thank you. Thank you, John, for mentioning Chase. I got who? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Chase Carey. I got this distinctive mustache, amazing career. And everything John said is, is accurate. But anyway, um, there are a lot of people who wouldn't put him on their Mount Rushmore. You're again, sports business journal, New York Post difference here. Uh, the, uh, others again, Ebersol people point out again, Ebersol, um, historic, uh, sports TV executive, but not really. I brought, I mean, Sunday football existed. They switched it. I don't know if that was even totally him. The NFL had to do that. Um, and and I, I'll, I'll, I'll say one thing about Dick is that he, he, he brought in, uh, he, he created Sunday night football as the number one show in prime time, which up until then, that had never would that have to me that's more of a tv story than an nfl story like that's there's like a little nuance to this yeah Um, no you know you could argue rupert murdoch and you know and and the people at fox when they brought in uh they you know out they just totally destroyed cbs in terms of the bidding back in the that's where i got chase carey in there so he yeah but that's more of a tv story to me than an nfl story now yes the nfl is powerful enough to make a network but we're kind of saying the impact we're saying the impact of a media person on the nfl and you know that's where you kind of roselle doesn't kind of doesn't really commissioners do they count or not again you want to add like six extra faces to Mount Rushmore. It's our, um, it's our Rushmore. I, let, let, let me ask you this. So the, uh, Berman got a lot of complaints uh, to, to me. Uh, Berman to me is the face of ESPN football. ESPN OD'd on football. It was 24 hours a, a, a marketing channel that basically created, you know, NFL network. And uh, why, why are we allowing uh, ESPN to do this? He's still certainly on, on mine. Um, and the other one I got was, uh howard cosell they're like how could you leave out howard cosell uh and i thought but if you have rune in there yeah yeah rune was for howard cosell and also frankly al michaels has been doing the the top prime time show for the nfl for the past since the mid 80s for the past like 30 some years yeah it's look i again these it's like these I mean, these argument shows where they're like LeBron versus Jordan, you know, and I I vote for the Hall of Fame, like the Hall of Fame. When you don't vote for somebody for the Hall of Fame, you're not saying they're not great. You're just saying they don't deserve the highest individual honor in baseball. And so did you have a Hall of Fame vote, by the way? I still do. Yeah, I still do. Yeah. Oh, really? So it's based off. So this is what people out there. Why does a sports media person have it? So you have to cover it to be a baseball writer for 10 years, have a card for 10 years. And I personally probably feel like I won't vote eventually, but the era that's being voted on now, I actually covered, um, you know, very closely. So I'm going to make your vote public. Yes. Uh-huh. So I do so it on you, the March. You make it public every year, right? I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I make it public every year. 
Um, yeah, and I think it should be. We voted on it, the baseball writers, and by a humongous margin, like there were barely, barely any votes against, wanted to make them public, and the Baseball Hall of Fame said no. I don't know exactly why they said no, but they did not. Uh, I guess they wanted to make it the choice of a voter um, for the reason why some people want to keep it private. They can. Um, it's not, it's really kind of a thankless task. I get it. And especially with the steroid stuff. Um, and uh, I don't know, we could, after it comes out, maybe we could, we could talk you know, a little bit about it when uh, I make that. Public. Yeah, I have, I have nothing but questions for you. Like how you view the steroid era. Like, you yeah, know, well, like, well like, maybe we'll hit that next week um, when we, when we do that. Let's go to our calls of the week. Call of the week. John, you want to lead it off? Yeah, great. Uh, this week, Martin Luther King Day, Gus Johnson was supposed to be here in D.C. on Monday to do a basketball game between Notre Dame and his alma mater, Howard. He tested positive for, uh, for COVID. So Tim Brando was on the call with Jimmy Jackson. And here's Brando calling a steal and a dunk during the game. Every now and then it's, uh, even for these young guys, they, they need a rest, I think. Howard has done the job of scrambling it up, and there's another pilfer. Elliot, hello, hammer time. Andrew, we've talked a lot about the NBA and Christmas Day, but I think what college basketball and the NBA has done around MLK Day has really flown under the radar. I watched that Howard game. It was an exciting game on Monday afternoon. I watched my Wizards beat up on the Sixers on, uh, on, on Monday afternoon as well. It's becoming a day to me that is becoming as big for basketball as December 25th. All right, that's a that's a good one, John. My call of the week goes to Tony Romo and the CBS crew at the end of the Niners and Cowboys game when Dak Prescott had the QB keeper that ended the game. Romo, big in big spots, was all over it. Not sure about the call, though. Well, this is where you can't set your own ball as a center. you got to give it to the ref. Dak Prescott should have looked and found the ref. You can't give it to your center. So, so watch the play right here. Dak, find, find, find the ref. you got to give it to him, not, not the center. And then it, that's just, they were a little too risky. You said, right, when I played Jim, you called it. This is very risky when he ran that. Quarter. Okay, so two things here. Romo. Uh, you know, it, at times this year, especially lesser games, he struggled a little bit, not as engaged, but in the big spots, he continually comes up big. Here's another example of it. Uh, right on Dak Prescott, the guy who replaced him as the Cowboys quarterback, saying what he did wrong. And then CBS, can't see on the podcast, they did a great job. Quick replay right after they had a shadow on the official who needed to spot the ball and you show, you could see where he was coming from and how far he had to run. Uh, so just a great job all, all around. Nance was on it as well on the initial call. So CBS, Romo, big spot. Again, this podcast, CBS might be playing it on loop. They got my, <laughs> uh, they got, uh, they got my who's up. They're getting my call of the week. I said nice things about Nickelodeon. All right. So when I don't say such nice things, I don't want to hear about it from CBS. This one's going to be on loop. Here we go. Over and over, they're playing this podcast. Anyway, that's my call of the week goes to Romo and CBS. You know, that, that was a great call. I wish you had done uh, Nance's call as well, because I was just watching it live. There were 17 seconds left, and they called a design quarterback draw. And just as a, as a viewer, I was just like, what the hell is going on here? And Nance immediately 
talked about it and 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 he immediately said that it was there wasn't going to be enough time to do it and he immediately questioned as the play was happening and I, so as a viewer i was so thankful for him to for just describing what made no sense to me whatsoever all right a very good moment for cbs all right you said that uh, Moffat Nathanson, they're the smartest guys in the business. I would put you in that category as well, John Oran. I would put you in there as well, ah, No, no, I'm not there for sure. Not, definitely not me. All right. It's been a pleasure again. We thank you for listening. And uh, next week, uh, we hope that you listen again. Thanks a lot. Thanks.